Welcome to This Is Influence. It's a show about how B2B brands and execs can become more influential. My guest this week is Michelle Goodall, the CMO at Guild, a platform for professional communities and networking. She is responsible for driving growth and business expansion of the community. In her previous role, she's worked with some of the world's biggest brands, including Unilever, BBC, Viacom, Direct Line, General Mills, go down the list of some of the biggest brands in the world. She's a true expert on all things building and sustaining brand communities. And she's just got such deep enthusiasm for what she does as as a marketer. If you're interested in why you should explore building brand communities, the pillars of effective community building and how to measure the success, then this is the podcast for you. So this is old, this is new, this is Influence. Michelle, welcome to This Is Influence. Oh, thank you, Nathan. Thanks for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you for a very long time now. We interviewed you for another podcast last year and you were great on that one. So if this is anywhere near that, this is going to be an absolutely fascinating chat. I thought we could start the conversation by you defining in your terms, what is a branded community and why should brands build one? Okay, so what is a branded community? I think I'll probably start out with the word, what's a community? And also um, talk a little bit about online communities or virtual communities, internet communities or digital communities. Well, basically, quite simply, an online community is a place or a space where people come together digitally to interact, to share knowledge and build relationships. Now, you might say, but isn't that kind of like an online network or a group? Well, the answer is yes, but I would say the difference between a network and a community is that when you join a community, it's not so much about the self and a me in this kind of group. It's much more about the collective. It's about the we. It's about what can we do together collectively? You know, what can we bring to the table that actually helps me, but also helps other people and potentially sometimes things like society as a whole as well. So, When you ask what is a branded community, well, quite simply, you know, the brand pays the bills. It's the one that goes, okay, we're going to put the effort, the time, the resource and the budget together to create this space, a place where people can come together, feel safe and do brilliant things together in a digital environment. And a lot of people conflate social media with community. Um, You've probably got some other questions around that, but but it isn't necessarily. So um, I think we've kind of got into a slightly different era of community, uh, but more on that later. So, you know, essentially, when we talk about a branded community, the brand, the organisation, the sub-brand, etc., pays for the time and the effort and also the budget in order to be able to create, sustain and maintain these fabulous places where people come together digitally to interact, to share knowledge, build relationships and hopefully do great things. And what economic value does it deliver for the for the brand? What what is the brand trying to achieve by building these digital or online communities? I mean, we've we've seen brands like SAP, Salesforce and HubSpot and lots of others build branded digital communities. What are they trying to achieve? Are they trying to create a space that they own, that they can use to communicate one-to-one directly with their audience and their customers in order to develop relationships and ultimately convert them into new business opportunities? Am I being too cynical in there? Maybe just outline to me 
what are the main use cases or business cases of building communities and, and who are the best brands doing that at the moment? So, do you know what? A, a community can really help you to achieve whatever brand objective you want. So whether it is, as you quite rightly said, you know, actually building one-to-one relationships with your prospects, with your existing clients to uh, sell more, to retain clients, to generate insight, to build the brands, to create sort of closer proximity relationships between your sales teams and your uh, product specialists and then your brand, your prospects and your clients. It's all of these things. But actually, I would say when when we at Guild, we work with obviously mainly B2B brands and organisations, but some consumer brands and organisations. It is what are you trying to achieve with your marketing? What are you trying to achieve with your sales, your product development, insight, voice of the customer, you know, we go right back to organisational objectives. And in some instances, it is about pure brand building. It's about thought leadership. It's about building a reputational moat. It's about intelligence. It's about uh, drawing market insights, competitor insights. And for some organisations, particularly agencies and professional services guys, what they're doing is creating thought leadership communities to essentially be there and be front of mind when um, it comes to potential clients choosing an agency or a consultant to kind of work with as well. You know, some communities quite purely and simply are about saving money and cost effectiveness and cost efficiencies. So there are things like customer communities. You've mentioned those technology brands, Salesforce and HubSpot, etc. You know, a lot of SaaS and tech brands have customer communities in order to be able to service more efficiently and effectively to get product feedback, to build customer insight back into the product development cycle as well. So, you know, there are lots of different ways that you can approach community brand building, reputation building, that reputational moat uh, for sales prospecting, for market and competitor insight to generate first-party data, zero-party data, uh, to generate um, market insight, competitor insight, product insight, but also to build this relationship with not just necessarily your customers and prospects, but also maybe your partners. I mean, at Guild, we've got a a partner community um, and we've got lots of people who are using uh, communities for channel and partner and ecosystem marketing as well, you know, to create a safe space where, you know, value can be generated um, by those people who are, you know, adding uh, services or or adding extra elements to your brand or product or service. So there's there's just so much you can do with uh, community. And and in that, Nathan, I think that's where a lot of people fail to get off the launch pad because they're sort of, you know, actually, I could do so much. Where do I start? But just start create an MVC, a minimal viable community, start off small, test the return on investment and just give it a go. And there's lots of stuff out there. There's lots of materials to help you get started. So, you know, I created the periodic table of community strategy. It's a blueprint for any community, you know, regardless of whether you're in B2B, B2C, uh, you know, charity marketing, non-profit marketing, etc. You know, it tells you what you need to know and what you need to think about before you get going with community. So over the time that you've been at Guild and helping to get brands to build communities for many different use cases, whether it's product development or sales and marketing or brand building, have you seen 
the use cases differ and sh and shift over time when you versus when you started versus kind of where you are now are are brands coming to you asking for different outcomes off the back of the communities that they're building are, are you seeing a shift more towards sales and marketing and lead gen versus uh, i don't know some other um some other use cases uh, earlier on i'm just interested in the kind of the change and the evolution of what yeah. people are asking for to get from a branded community yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you've, you've hit the nail on the head. So, you know, pre-Guild, I've been building communities for 25 plus years on bulletin boards, Usenet forums, early forms of social media, second life, virtual worlds, etc. Um, you know, Guild is just one of many platforms out there. Um, so I would say, actually, looking over 25 years, community is not something new, but it is something that marketeers are getting very excited about. So McKinsey last year said that community was the big idea in marketing for this decade. And actually, it isn't just McKinsey who are driving this. You know, we are talking now to more and more marketers. Now, whether they're in performance marketing, whether they're in field marketing, brand marketing, marketers are getting excited about community. And this is creating a bit of a tension in the world of uh, community professionals, because they've had this lovely space to themselves for quite some time, whereby they are able to build communities. And I think the big shift and the big change is that the focus maybe for the last 20 years or so has been on product and product service communities. Now, you mentioned those tech and SaaS brands, there's Cisco's communities, there's GifGaf and their fabulous, um, you know, customer-led uh, product service communities as well. And everybody was sort of celebrating those, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. But actually now I think the focus is on how can we build communities um, to serve more marketing and also communications-led objectives and also business kind of growth as well. So I think that's absolutely right. We've we've come out of that era of that focus on product, customer service and product service communities to more thought leadership and trying to identify customer pains, customer gains, and how you might build that into your campaigns, uh, your product, your pricing, all of the, uh, you know, the four P's of marketing. And I think, again, those marketers who have got it and got it very early are not just thinking about performance marketing and the quick wins. They're thinking about, gosh, how can we build this into, you know, brand building? And they're in it for the long haul as well. Mm. Going back to what you said about thought leadership there is that's a super important part of this because you can't just be talking about your own products and services and, and what you sell as an organization. Um, it has to be led by what the ch challenges and pains are and what the world looks like of the of your target audience. Um, so but how do you, how do you break that down given let's say you're working with a large B2B brand that has multiple stakeholders, lots of different you know, decision makers, senior decision makers, all the way down to maybe um, mid-managers and, and users and lots of, of, of other stakeholders in between. How do you talk to them? What, how do you recommend that they use community? Is it a, do you recommend that they create one community that is a catch-all for all of those stakeholders? Or do you recommend that they create multiple subgroups or subcommunities? communities <laughs> how, how, how do you... This is a question. that There is no right answer, 
Um, and, you know, this is where there are community specialists who have been around for many, many years like me. What we would do is ask the right questions. We would, you know, say, what are you trying to achieve? Um, you know, what is product trying to achieve? What are, what are the channel guys trying to achieve? Uh, what is marketing trying to achieve? Uh, corporate comms, investor relations. So there may be many communities, um, you know, that could be created uh, within an organisation. You know, for example, you might want to have an advisory community. Um, I know certainly, you know, at Guild, we have our advisor community, those people who are, you know, challenging us to do things brilliantly, to grow, you know, sustainably, to be a good ethical company as well. Um, but also we have a customer community. We also have thought leadership communities in the targets, um, you know, segments that we want to try and attract as well. So there really is no one answer to this. Um, I think, again, it, it shouldn't be too complicated, but it should be a kind of a process of sitting down and thinking really hard about your business. Do you already have these you know, distinct communities that you are engaging with. And I've, I've talked about kind of partner and channel marketing. For me, certainly within the world of technology and SaaS, this is, a, you know, a huge opportunity uh, for marketers to try and test community with already a very distinct um, set of stakeholders and also to see the advantage by working together collectively with a group of people who want you to be a success and also want to generate their own success off the back of your product or service. So, you know, there is no one right way. But the thing that you're talking about is a, called a community uh, architecture or a community taxonomy. And that is looking right back at your organisational goals, not just how marketing can serve those organisational goals, but maybe product innovation or, as I say, investor relations, for example. And, you know, what you find is once you kind of start to think about community as an organisation, you can really just define these distinct uh, stakeholders groups and then make the decision about whether or not it's a good idea to push people together or whether or not you need to manage these distinct, you know, virtual spaces where incidentally, you know, an online community really where possible, you should be thinking about bringing these people together face to face, you know, in person in order to be able to cement relationships uh, to kind of define where your community is going, uh, to launch things, to, you know, bring people together and build this kind of social glue within your community. That's one thing I wanted to ask you, maybe a little bit later, actually, what what's the relative weight between offline interaction and community and on online community? After what period of time or, you know, what level of engagement do you then take that community online? Because there's no substitute, I'm sure you'd agree, for meeting people face to face, um, regardless of the digital relationship that you have online, actually physically meeting meeting someone, I think is a, is a game changer. Um, so there should always be a space for doing that. So, but I, I'd be interested in kind of your thoughts on when you should migrate a digital online offline uh, online community to to an online one. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what what are the principles of successful community building if is there a framework in your mind if you were teaching a 101 business class at harvard business school or you know london school of economics or whatever what what are the in what what's an introduction to building successful communities what does that look like what's a framework for building building them 
Okay, so I've mentioned it already. The framework is a single page. It's a model that I created. I've been lecturing in community strategy um, and working in this space for 25 years. I tried to distill on a single page, you know, a blueprint for the things that you have to think about before you go ahead and plan a community. But it starts off with a purpose and a need. Why should this exist in the first place? You know, something that is well articulated and clearly explains why this entity is created in the first place. Now, whether that's online or, as you say, whether that's just exists in the physical realm, a well-articulate, clear explanation of what is it and also what is in, what's in it for people who might want to join. A value proposition and something that explains to individuals why coming together maybe because you work in a niche area of industry or it's a community of practice or it's um, a community of purpose. You want to you know, forward um, uh, ethical advertising, for example, or a lack of reliance on you know, gaffer, for example. That could be a community of practice or community of purpose as well. That purpose and need is absolutely critical to uh, articulate internally so your key stakeholders and budget uh, owners understand why you're doing it in the first place but also externally. And that normally is in your, I don't know, your, your purpose statement um, on guild communities. All communities have to have a purpose statement, a reason for being. So when people you know, look at joining them, they're very clear about what the value is in uh, for them. The second area is to have a very clear understanding of you know, what your community type is. Um, now, again, I've written about this, the, the five P's of community. So it's either a community of practice, a community of product, a community of place. Now, that might be, you know, um, I don't know, alumni for a, um, a university, for example, or I live in um, uh, Walthamstow. We've got lots of community of places where, you know, we come together and we do great things as a community. A community of play, you know, you don't have to always have these, you know, great um, purposeful statements. Sometimes people get together to have fun and to, you know, kind of make the world a less scary place as well. Um, a community of purpose. So again, you know, that might be about sustainability. It may be about ethics and advertising, etc. as I've said before. And the last is a C, and I can't kind of create this into a six uh, C, um, but, but this is a really important community, a community of circumstance. Uh, so for example, if you're somebody who... Um, I don't know, you're, you're dealing with um, somebody in your family who has Alzheimer's, for example. This is where communities can be really important because actually they can help you to contextualise what you're going through to give you help and support as well. So a lot of charities and non-profits tend to have communities of circumstance around medical conditions or things that people might find quite difficult to, to cope with as well, like bereavement, etc. So be really clear about what your community type is. And you might have, you know double up so it might be a community of practice around adobe um products and, and creativity with adobe but also product communities as well and then the next thing is to to do it you know to create um a core group to launch your community and it uh, communities don't have to be big in fact the majority of communities on guild are what we would call micro or nano communities but they've got the right people to kick them off and start them off uh, in order to be able to start to develop the, the value systems within the community, the proposition, and also that reason for belonging as well. Um, you know, some of the most powerful communities that I see on Guild um, are around 60 members. 
Um, there's an anti-racism community run by Shireen Daniels. It's fabulous. These people are working in the front line of dismantling systemic racism within organisations, and they do great things together as a community. Um, the next thing, just talking about Shireen, is um, having a community manager or a host. And that's actually much more important than the um, technology that you choose. And that's somebody to set the rules, um, welcome people into the community, to generate you know, the value proposition, uh, to put content, stimulus, conversations, polls, those kind of things in to make people feel a sense of belonging, but also to manage and to create this atmosphere and, and also maybe, as I say, to you know, take the community offline, uh, to run events, those kind of things. Um, the next thing is a content calendar. You know, you wouldn't run any uh, marketing campaign without being very, very kind of clear around well, what content, what stimulus, where is it posted? You know, and actually this is not just within your community itself, but also places where you might recruit into your community. So social media and community work really well together because social media can be the you know, top of funnel to bring people into your community of practice, product, play, pace, purpose, etc. And the next thing is the right attitude. So, you know, you've got to think about community in terms of consistency and also persistence. Um, I've mentioned that community is like brand building. You cannot do this overnight. Um, yes, by all means, create a pop-up community for your event or your conference. But actually, if you're in this for the long term, you've got to bring that consistency, that persistence in and live the values of your community as well. Um, you know, th there's so much I could add here, uh, Nathan, but, you know, out of out of that purpose, you also should have a set of measurable objectives as well. So was meeting with somebody yesterday who they have a successful community. They've gone from sort of MVC now to we're in the state of you know business. And I was, well, what do you need to achieve as a marketing team? And we kind of mapped out exactly, you know, what those community KPIs might be in terms of um, subscription and membership, retention, uh, delivering insights for content marketing, um, uh, proximity uh, to, you know, potential for people taking on learning and development modules that they also kind of sell as well. So, you know, just get the very, very basics right. But that periodic table of community strategy, sorry, it sounds like a big plug. It's free. You know, I'm, I'm not selling anything here. It's it's advice and it's on a single page. That is your blueprint for planning a community. If you have a link to that, it'd be great to put it in the show notes to this episode so people can go and check that out. I'm assuming MVC is minimal viable community. It is, yeah. <laughs> We're borrowing, borrowing from MVP. Um, you right. know, it's not, it's, it's not something that I've coined. Um, we did invent the phrase community-based marketing. Um, you know, that's myself and Ashley Friedland um, a few years ago. But MVC, minimal viable uh, community, has been doing the rounds for about 17, 18 years. Mm, so, you know, the fact is your community will exist already. So if it exists and if it exists in the physical realm, then give it a space because people can't be together, you know, consistently. Uh, life gets in the way. People go on holiday give people that digital place and space uh, in between events, in between meetups, you know, to continue to do, do good things together. Absolutely love it. Michelle, I could be here all day. There's so many more questions that I haven't gotten to ask you, but we're going to have to get you back on the show at some point in the future. Community 2. Community mm -hmm. 2, 2.0. Yeah. 
I'm going to ask you a traditional closing question now, which I've been super excited to ask you uh, since the beginning of the I know you've been struggling to answer it, but we're at dinner at your favorite restaurant, yeah. which oh. is, have you got a favorite restaurant? Do you know, my favourite restaurant is a, a family restaurant that we've been going to, you know, since 1994, and wow. that's Taro in Brewer Street. Really fantastic, cheap as chips, Japanese place, love it. And, and now they've opened a, a branch in Walthamstow, so wow. couldn't be happier. So I'm at Taro. You've been going there box. since 1996 as a family. 1994. Well, 1994. well me, and then and then I had a family. Uh, right. yeah, so. Okay, <laughs> it's a family tradition. Okay, you can family invite, you can invite three people, living or dead. Only three. Only mm-hmm. three to your dinner party, and these three people will make you better, increase your performance in some way, shape, or form, whether yes. in work or okay. outside of work. Which three people do you pick? Okay, number one. Jacinda Ardern. So the former Prime Minister of New Zealand, she epitomises for me female strength, female uh, leadership, female compassion. I think she's the definition of a capable, badass woman who can lead from the front, but also do it in a way that is compassionate, that builds society. And she thinks of people as a whole. She's used her power base to do amazing things. Mm, Love that. Great answer. Who's number two? Ah, number two, my favourite artist of all time. I would love to meet him. He's liked a couple of my tweets. Um, I've got one of his uh, things on my wall. It's not an original. It's a silk scarf of something that he did for the Tate Modern. And that's Sir Grayson Perry. Um, Mm. He's an artist, a ceramicist, a writer and a broadcast. The reason I love Grayson is that he has a creative vision. You know, everything that he does has creativity behind it. He's a humanist. And he's a brilliant observer, I think, of um, of people. But also what I love about Grayson is he doesn't just, you know, kind of put his art that out there. And this is uh, something that I've taught my kids as well. He has a fabulous work ethic. You know, he will work 12, 16 hours a day and work and work and work. So I think it's not just having that creative vision, not just understanding people in society, but also having that fabulous work ethic as well. And who's number three? Oh, Muhammad Ali. Um, So I'm a former British kickboxer. Um, I love Muhammad Ali because, um, well, he he taught me footwork, number one. But secondly, he taught me fight. He taught me tenacity, humor. I loved his wordplay. Um, You know, he was a political beast as well, but also, Mm. above all, a philanthropist. I think Mm. he reminds everybody that you can overcome anything and you can change the world with good humour and also warmth as well. So Muhammad Ali, uh, Sir Grayson Perry and Jacinda Jacinda Ardern. Ardern. And I think actually we would have a really, really good time together. I think they'd be fabulous. Let's hope they all like Japanese food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who knows <laughs> great choices there Michelle Michelle thank you so much for joining us oh thanks again Nathan we need to do 2.0 because there's so much more to talk about community. so much more so much more <laughs> this is Influence as a production of Bridge Growth the B2B influencer agency for technology brands I could not produce this show without our crack staff here at Bridge Tyler Baller is our booker Christoph Boaszczek is our executive producer I'm Nathan Annie Barber. You've been listening to This Is Influence.